card should be in the seat back in front of you. It's an opportunity for you to uh, share information about yourself uh, so that we can uh, know you better. It's also an opportunity for you to ask questions about the church. If you want any additional information about any of the ministries there, you can do that. Also, the prayer card, our uh, prayer team, our leadership team, and staff, we pray over the prayer requests that are submitted each week. And so we invite you to fill that out as well. And we would uh, love the opportunity to pray with you and for you uh, with whatever's going on in your life. Uh, You can complete those and you can drop those in the offering bags as they're passed a little later on in the service. I wanna make you aware of a, a few announcements here real quick. First of all, our mom's prayer group is meeting again on Friday, February 21st from 7 to 8.30 p.m. here at the church. Uh, ladies, if you're interested in that, we invite you uh, to be here for that. And if you have any questions, you can contact Yu Kyung. The PYC High School Winter Camp is just two weeks away, and uh, several of our students have signed up for that. And if you have any questions, parents or students, you can be sure and talk to Roberto about that. Uh, our PYC Art and Chill not chilly, as I said last week, but Art and Chill um, is on February 26th from 7 to 9, a great opportunity to do some uh, creativity things and also spend some time together. And again, if you have any questions, you can talk to Roberto about that. Our discipleship classes uh, are going on. Uh, One that's coming up is our Lent 40 Days of Decrease. It begins on March 1st. And during the season of Lent, uh, we will seek to decrease of certain things in our life in order, in order to increase other things, in order to increase our relationship with God. And through our discipleship classes, it's our desire to learn and to grow deeper in our knowledge of Scripture and how our Christian faith meets contemporary life. And so we invite you to register online. As an extra incentive, those who register for the class and show up will uh, get this book, 40 Days of Decrease. It's what we're going to be going through in the class. And so uh, if you register, show up, we'll we'll give you that book. Even if you're not going to go to the discipleship class, I really want to invite you to pick up this book at your favorite book retailer and uh, go through this during this season of Lent. Uh, Lent begins on Wednesday, the 26th of February, so it'll be here before you know it. So let's take uh, take time to prepare for that as we go through this season of Lent together uh, as a body of believers. It is great to be uh, together here with you today uh, in this season of our church, Uh, our mission has been, continues to be to help people discover and experience the life-changing love of Christ. We do that through our vision statement, which is to take the life of Jesus as our pattern for living, and we strive to prioritize being together, and we want to, to be in community. We, we strive to hear and respond to the Word of God with an emphasis in prayer. That's growth, and be a tangible presence of grace in our communities and in our world. We want to engage with the people around us. So this morning, uh, we continue in our, our time that, that we've kind of set for this season in the life of PCC, which is a time to grow, a time for us to think about what it means for us as individuals and as a community of believers to grow in our faith and to grow in our relationship with God and and with each other. So this morning, I invite you to grab your Bible, if you would, and, and turn to Psalm 119. Uh, if you don't have your Bible with you, grab a blue Bible. Psalm 119 is uh, theoretically smack dab in the middle of the Bible, right? It is, it is the middle of, of the canon there, if you will. Uh, and so if you're reaching for a blue Bible, it'll be on or around page 437. I want to encourage you to put the text in your hands in some form or fashion this morning. I also invite you to grab your sermon notes in case there's something that strikes you and you decide to write that down. Last week, we invested our time in talking about disciplines. We explored how it takes discipline to be a disciple because spiritual growth is not, or is intentional, it's not automatic. 
It has to be intentional because it just doesn't automatically happen. We looked at how discipline requires commitment and sacrifice and focus and overcoming self. And in in this examination, we strive to clearly communicate this, this truth and this fact that this is not about becoming a better Christian, as if there is such a thing, right? That's not what we're talking about. So I want to be very clear. What we're instead doing is exploring these things uh, in, in order that we may have the opportunity to grow. It's an invitation for us to grow in our faith and in our relationship with the Lord and with each, with each other. And so we need to consider what that means for us. And here are opportunities for us as individuals and as a community, if we are committed and willing to sacrifice, to put our focus on Christ and to overcome ourselves in order to be intentional about growing. And so today, as we strive to be intentional about growing, we're going to explore uh, Psalm 119. And if you have that open and you start looking at it, you may be happy to know that we're not going to go through all of it, right? Psalm 119 is is some interesting things about that. Uh, It is the longest chapter in the Bible, right? It really is an, an acrostic and unless you read Hebrew, that wouldn't be readily evident to you. Now, I know some of you in here do read Hebrew, so it is evident to you. Uh, but the author of Psalm 119 uh, used the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet as a guide to write this psalm. And in each of these 22 letters, each of them contain eight verse stanzas, with each verse in that particular stanza beginning with the same Hebrew letter. For instance, verses 1 through 8 all begin with Aleph. 9 through 16 begin with bet, and I could go on, but I think you get the pattern here, right? And so that's why one of the reasons it's it's a long chapter. It's also interesting to note that almost every verse contains a direct reference to Scripture. It may be written as God's word or ways or statues or decrees or several others which are listed there on the screen, but in some way, form, or fashion, it's mentioned in almost every single verse of Psalm 119, The overall message of Psalm 119 focuses in on the truth of God's word, and as such, the scriptures provide us with opportunities to grow in our faith. So how do they do that, and why should it matter to us? Well, if we want to grow, we need to not only read the scriptures, but we need to do what it says. And and that's where we're kind of landing this morning. We see this at at various points throughout the scriptures, uh, including James chapter 1, verse 22, which says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. It says, do what it says, right? Do what it says. And, And when we read that, I mean, if we're honest, that's easier said than done. It's easier read than applied, right? It's not always easy or apparent that how we can do that with God's word, And one of the reasons is because I would suggest that all of us, at one time or another, in some form or fashion, we can relate to the words of Paul that he wrote in Romans chapter 7 when he says, For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do I do, and this I keep on doing, right? Paul, is he's conflicted there within himself. Author Jared Wilson wrote in his book, The Imperfect Disciple, I take a look at my messed up soul every day. I feel completely overwhelmed and under-equipped. I don't know, anybody else kind of relate to that? That's why I would suggest it's so important for us as individuals and then as a body of believers for us to seize opportunities to grow. 
And yet one of those difficulties is knowing how uh, to approach it. There, there's lots of things that we have tried because, uh, you know, as, as good people, we want to try various things. But what we've learned is, is trying a lot of different things don't provide for long-term growth. We cannot just help ourselves, right? Uh, one author said, self-help is like sticking your broken, broken hand in a blender and thinking that'll fix it, right? It's what we do because it's not that simple. Because if it were that simple, guess what? you'd all have it figured out already, right? You are smart, intelligent people. But we need to not just resolve to do better and try harder, we need a better solution. We also cannot just know more information. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. We need good theology. There's value in knowledge and knowing things, especially knowing things about God. But it's possible to know all the things about God and still not grow. Yes, it's important that, that we know the scriptures, but knowledge, knowledge alone, and you've maybe seen this, I, I know I have, and I fight it in my own life, it, it can produce pride and arrogance and self-righteousness if you just know the scriptures, right? There's more that's needed than just information. We cannot just try something new. Um, especially this time of year, I usually laugh at all the, the new things that come out, right? The greatest and latest diet and workout routine or machine or book or program or promise that if you just make six easy payments of $29.99, it will revolutionize your life in just 18 minutes a day, right? That's the promises that are made, but we know it just doesn't work that way. We also know it's not just about behavior modification, Changing our behavior is not the goal. God wants to transform our heart. And that requires more attention than just the surface level behavioral change. So if these things that we try do not provide opportunities for long-term growth, what does? Well, that's what our text today addresses. It's been said that the key to finding a good answer is to ask a good question. And that's exactly what happens in this text today. Psalm 119, beginning in verse 9. The question is asked, how can a young man keep his way pure? And just for the sake, it says young man, but let's just make it universally applicable to all of us, right? How can we keep our ways pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. This psalm is believed to be written after a time of exile. The people were going home. They were entering into this new life with God. And as they did, they started asking the question. And the question was asked, how, how can we walk in a relationship with God? How can, how can we grow in our faith? How can we make sure that all of these bad things that have happened to us as a nation and as a people, how can we make sure that those things never happen to us again? And the answer to that question according to the text is to live according to God's word. You see, here's what I've observed in my life and in other people's lives as well. We desire to grow in our faith and in our relationship with God. So we read the scriptures and we ask for wisdom and insight and knowledge and discernment and, and those things are good and useful and beneficial, but often it starts and it ends with just reading and coming to know the, the word, obtaining that knowledge. 
The reality is there's no guarantee that just reading the Bible, knowing the Bible, even memorizing the Bible will cause you to grow. Now, now please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. There's certainly value in reading and, and knowing and memorizing the scripture, and I would encourage you to do those things. But according to the psalmist, knowing God's word is fine, but the way you keep your life pure is by what? What does it say? You tell me. What's it say? Living according to your word. If we want to grow, it's, it's actually living, it's, it's applying, it's implementing God's word into our lives. So how do we do that? Well, the text presents us with some things to do, one thing not to do, and then a couple of requests of which we should make or ask of God if we want to apply God's word to our lives. And I want to walk through those from the text this morning. First, what, what do I do? In this text, the writer says this, I seek God with all my heart in verse 10. There are a lot of things that we seek in our life, isn't there? At least there isn't mine. There, there's lots of opportunities for us to, to seek a whole host of things that promise to provide growth and fulfillment. And yet, if we think about the scriptures that we know, one of the, the, the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your strength and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. Something that, that is really interesting to me about this word seek uh, in this Hebrew text is it's written in the perfect tense, all right? So I'm gonna get technical for just a second, but it's important and hopefully this will make sense. The, the biblical Hebrew, a perfect verb, is normally used to describe actions that have occurred in the past or actions that are uh, occurring and seem to have been completed in the present or even completed in the future. It, it's a past, present, and future type word. And this is important because this idea is to seek God with all of my heart is not something that you do once and, and then you're done with it, nor is it this idea that at some point you will do it in the future. The idea is that you seek God in the past and in the present and even in the future. That is the perfect tense, right? I seek God. It's a continual action. Because remember, the psalmist is asking the question, how can I keep my ways pure? I read where one author explained it like this. When do you make preparations to live a pure life? You do it now, right? Which then becomes the past so that when you face something in the future, your past preparations and current application will enable you to keep your way pure in the present and therefore in the future. Here's the thing though, if you wait until you face the obstacle or face the temptation or face whatever it is in life, if you wait, it's too late. This is a, a continual action. I seek you in the present so that my preparations will be made then in the past so as to address future obstacles so as to keep my way pure in the present and then in the future as well. It's a past, present, and future action all at the same time. I hope that makes sense. Number two, not only does the psalmist say, I seek God with all my heart, but it also says, I hide God's word in my heart there in verse 11. And why does the psalmist say to do that? Well, the answer is there in the text. It says, that I might not sin against you. Against who? Against God. That I might not sin against God. This word hide, or as some versions say, store up or treasure, is also one of those perfect tense verbs. It's one of those continual actions. It's a concept that's carried over into the New Testament on two separate occasions. I credit Pastor Rogers for pointing out that both times in the New Testament, this idea of storing up and this continual action is referred to the actions of Mary, the mother of Jesus. 
The first time is when the shepherds show up to the manger and everything's happening around the birth of Jesus. And in Luke chapter two, verse 19, it says, but Mary treasured up, hid, stored up is the word there, all these things, and she pondered them in her heart. She hid them. She stored them up. She treasured them. The second time is at the end of Luke chapter two, Joseph, Mary, and Jesus, no, I'm not starting a joke, but no, they, along with all of the, uh, a lot of their other family members, they're in Jerusalem to observe the Passover. And when they left, Mary and Joseph realized Jesus is not with them. And that sense of panic that they've lost God's son, right? <laughs> and so they go back and try to find him. And when they do find him, they find that he is at the temple sitting with the leaders and the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And in Luke chapter two, verse 51, it says, but his mother treasured all these things in her heart. She stored them, she treasured them, she hid them in her heart. Why? Because she knew those things were valuable. She may not have understood everything that was happening, shepherds and angels and Jesus teaching at the temple at age 12 in but she knew they were important. So what did she do with those things? She hid them in her heart. In our home, we have a, a fireproof safe. Now why? Well, because there are certain documents and things that are valuable and we store them in there uh, because they are important. We, we want to keep them safe. And so when we need them, we can go there and we can retrieve them. It's the same concept of storing up God's word in our heart, but instead of it being a firebox that's stored away in the closet, it's our heart that's with us all the time. We are to store up God's word in our heart so his words of life are there when we need them because they are important and they are valuable. And even when we don't completely understand it, we're still to store it up in our heart. But here is what I've observed in my life, and again, in the lives of others, is, is that too often we fill our heart with Instagram stories and Snapchats and TikToks and Twitter feeds and news stories and sports and research and music and a whole host of other things. And now, again, are any of those things bad and inherently evil? No, right? But when that's what we fill our hearts with, and then we find ourselves in a position of need and a time where we don't know what to do. There's nothing of value stored up in our heart in which we can face those obstacles. And as a result, we've got nothing to apply to our lives or offer to anyone else when they are going through something as well. But the psalmist says, I have stored up, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you against God. The psalmist understood the impact that sin can have in our lives as well as the importance of having God's word in our heart and living those things out. He, he saw that as, as valuable because God's word guards our hearts and it helps us live and walk in righteousness and in relationship with him. And so a, a question in this little section is, is, what are you storing up? What are you hiding? What are you putting in your heart? Does it really have any value? Third, the psalmist says, I recount all God says. Again, perfect tense verb, you know, really, really high on this perfect tense in this section. It's not something you have done, but it is something you have done. It's not just something you are doing or something you will do. It's something in which you are doing, you have done, and you will continue to do in the future. This past week, I found myself recounting the plays of the Super Bowl. 
okay? Uh, you guys know, diehard Chiefs fan, uh, especially the last eight minutes. I've, you know, full confession, I, I've watched it a couple of times, just the last eight minutes, because that was the best part of the game, right? Uh, and I found myself eagerly wanting to share what happened. Did you see? Did you notice? Did you, right? I, I've been recounting all of those things and all the things that happened and all the things that have happened as a result of my team winning, right? And it's really funny for people to say congratulations when I did absolutely nothing, right? I'll take it, whatever, right? But in the same way, we are quick to do that with, with sports or our accomplishments or other things in our lives. That's what this is calling us to do with Scripture, to recall, to recount, to go over and over again what the Scripture says, to be excited about it, which brings us to number four. I rejoice in following God's word. In verse 14, here the idea is this continual joy that comes in walking in obedience to God's word. And as you obey him, you find joy. And the more joy you have, the more obedient you want to become. And the more obedient you are, the more joy you find. And it's one of those continual things that just keeps walking through our lives. And I would suggest that, that when you start walking in obedience to the Lord, there's joy there. But I wonder if we live it out to the degree that the psalmist suggests. What does the psalmist say if you read the verse there? As one rejoices in great riches. Now, to be really transparent, I'm not sure that I do that. And yet in my desire to keep my way pure, as, as I strive to grow in my faith and in my relationship with God, there's an opportunity to celebrate, to rejoice in the obedience of following God's word. It really comes down for me, and I would suggest for you as well, is, is what do I do with those opportunities that I face? Number five, I, I meditate on God's word and his ways. Um, growing up in a rural farming community, uh, this, uh, I've heard this illustrated so many times because this is not the only time it, it occurs in Scripture, right? But, but the concept that was always taught uh, in Sunday school and in church was this idea of a cow chewing its cud. City people, you know what I'm talking about? Yes, no, maybe so? If you do, just give me a little hand raise so I know that I'm not, okay, so 30%. All right, so the idea is that you take it in, it's, it's sitting for a while, and then you kind of, chew on it again, right? And, and the cow does that in order to get the sweetness and, and more nutritional value out of whatever it is that they have taken in. And it's the same type of idea that we are to do with God's word. And maybe a better way for you to think about it is picture a bunch of chattering birds or the idea of mulling over something in your mind. You do that with other things. You're to do that with God's word, right? To let it mull, to even, uh, one uh, person I read said, think about muttering it out loud to yourself, <laughs> You mutter God's word. You just have it over and over and over again. We put it in our minds, and it's, it's something that we are meditating on to provide opportunities to grow as we attain all of the sweetness and maximize the value and nutritional benefit from what we take in. Finally, what I do, I delight in God's decrees. Verse 16. Uh, again, I think... I think if we're honest with ourselves and really transparent with ourselves, we don't often delight in God's word. Now, we may hear something interesting and it may spark our interest and we go find out a little bit more about it. Or when we are in need, we, we go to the scripture to find something helpful that, that will help, uh, help us find some delight there. But, but what would our lives look like if we were proactive 
in delighting in God's decrees, in God's word? What if we intentionally go to the scriptures and we read them, and when we read them, we seek God, we, we store up his truth, we recount the scriptures, we rejoice in what he says, we meditate on it, and we delight in it. Those are the things the psalmist says that I do as, as I strive to keep my way pure as a result of living according to God's word. That's what the psalmist says to do. There's one thing that the psalmist says I will not do. It says I will not neglect God's word. It's at the end of verse 16 there. The word neglect means to ignore, to set aside, to be oblivious. Uh, the psalmist says, as I, as I strive to live a pure life, I strive to live according to your word, I will not be oblivious to what it says. And that just makes sense, right? If we're going to live according to his word, we need to know what it says. Uh, the author realizes the, the tendency for us to take the scriptures for granted, to not give them the attention they deserve. So it takes resolution and determination so as not to set them aside, but to live according to them. I will not neglect God's word. And the last thing that I want to share from this text this morning, there's two requests that the psalmist makes of God. The first is asking God to keep me from straying there in verse 10. In verse 10, it says, do not let me stray from your commands. Pretty simple, right? It made me think of the, the hymn, Come thou fount, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. It's like I shared from D.A. Carson last week, people do not drift toward holiness, we drift toward compromise. We need to ask the Lord to keep us on track. It's a request we can make of him. The second request is in verse 12, teach me your word. As we pray and invest in our relationship with God, we ask him to teach us, to show us the truth of his word, the truth of his love as revealed in the scriptures and through the person of Jesus Christ. We want to, to know him. So God, God, teach us, show us, demonstrate to us that which you would have us to apply to our lives. It's a request we can make of the Lord. So what do we do with this information, Right? Uh, that's all great and well and good, but, but how do we apply Psalm 119, uh, the list of things to do, the thing to avoid, and, and the request from God? Well, I want to suggest four things this morning, and if you've written down nothing or paid no attention, just listen to this. This is pretty quick, right? Four things. First, read the scriptures. That's a shocker, right? Didn't think that was coming today. It's not complicated, but it can be difficult, Right? So here's what I want to invite you to do. I want you to find a Bible that's easy for you to read, right? Find a, a, there's a variety of different versions of the Bible out there and read through the same verse and several of them until one resonates with you. And if you're not sure where to look, go to the YouVersion Bible app. It has a lot of great options. So does BibleGateway.com, and I didn't put it up there, but, but Bible Hub, you can put in one verse and it gives you the translation in, I don't know, 10 or 12 different versions, but find one. Uh, or maybe you're like me, and, and one of the ways that it's easier for me to learn and to, to grow in things is to listen to the scriptures. I invite you to check out a website called uh, Bible.is. Uh, this is a website and an app that has a, an audio Bible in over 1,100 different languages. And so it's one of those beautiful tools where um, if you meet someone, especially in our area and culture, and they uh, maybe speak a different language than you do, and, and maybe uh, you know not fluent, you, you can 
tell them about this and they can find it in their language and listen to God's word and read it in his, read God's word in their own uh, language. And it's, it's a beautiful tool. With, with the plethora of resources that we have available to us, there's really no excuse as to why we don't read the scriptures. And so that's why I invite you to consider first to read the scriptures. The second, read the scriptures again for the first time, all right? Sometimes uh, we think we know and we don't actually have to read it. Confession time, I get that way when I'm coming up with something and a, a scripture will pop into my head and I'll just jot it down, right? And then I go back and I look it up and I'm like, I didn't have that quite right. It's really important sometimes to go back and read it again and to read it again for the first time. Maybe it means asking a question as you read through it, noting what you observe, reading it in a different version of the Bible. What strikes you as you go through it? Don't let what you've known before dictate what you read this time. And don't let a perceived familiarity rob you of discovering and experiencing the scriptures again and find joy in them and delight in God's word as he reveals himself to you, maybe in in a beautiful new way. Number three, memorize the scriptures. If I stop there, how do you feel, right? (laughs) Not all of them, obviously, right? Uh, But but we should memorize something. Uh, Maybe a good point for you, you don't know where to start. Well, let's start in Psalm 119, verses nine and 11. How can a young man, how can I, you could put that in there, how can I keep my way pure? By living according to your word. I've hidden your word in my heart, why? So that I might not sin against you, against you, God. Maybe it's Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. What will help you grow in your faith? There's there's no prescription, right? It's not like I'm gonna say, okay, you have to memorize these five verses and now you're a quote unquote better Christian, right? No, what's beneficial for you? What do you need to hide in your heart so that you might not sin against God? For me, there's two scriptures that just resonate in my head over and over again. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart, because too often I don't. And lean not on your own understanding, because too often I do. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight, right? Right? James chapter three, verse one, not many of you should presume to be teachers, my dear brothers, because you will be judged more strictly. That's heavy. It shows the importance of knowing God's word and the value of that. So so what's important to you? When it comes to memorizing scripture, I really invite you to consider this. If you were to memorize one verse a week for the rest of 2020, and you're only successful 50% of the time, that's still 23 more verses than if you do nothing. Right? That's a pretty attainable goal, I'd like to think. Start somewhere. Which leads me to number four, start today. Later on in Psalm 119, verse 60, it says, I will hurry without delay to obey your commands. It's been said that delayed obedience is current disobedience. There's no better time to start than right now because now is the time to grow. Later, again, in Psalm 119, verse 105, it says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The scriptures provide for us an opportunity to grow in our faith, to, to walk in relationship with the Lord, and it's us, up to us how we respond to the opportunities that we have. And so church, I ask you to consider how will you respond 
to God's invitation to you to grow in your faith and in your relationship with him. It's not guilt. It's not obligation. It's opportunity to fulfill the desires of our heart, which is to know and to grow, to walk more closely in relationship with him and with each other as our faith is strengthened and as he is glorified. Let's pray together this morning. Father God, we thank you. We thank you that your word contains for us uh, so much because it reveals you. So God, as we strive to grow, as, as we strive to honor you with our life, I, I, I pray that, that we would take advantage of those opportunities, that, that we would take advantage of the opportunities that, that you've called us to do, the things that you've put in our path, and that we would live our lives in faith in relationship with you. God, I thank you that we have you and that we have each other, and I pray that you would help us in this community of, of believers, that we would honor you and we would seek you. We would bring you glory. And Father, as we strive to do that, we are so thankful for your grace. We're so appreciative of, of your love, which receives us just as we are. So Father, we thank you and we love you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. In the scriptures, uh, we read uh, what Jesus has done for us. And as we transition into a time of communion, I, I want to read uh, what it says. It says, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as long as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. Jesus is instructing us on how to apply the words he spoke. That's what we celebrate in communion. This morning, as we've been focused in on the scriptures and we explore what it means to grow in our faith and in our relationship with God, the reality is it's only possible because of what Jesus did for us. It's only possible because of his great love that he demonstrated for us. And so the ushers are gonna pass out the elements and we're gonna prepare for communion. And I'm gonna invite the ushers to go ahead and come forward and begin doing that. And as they're passed, as you take of the bread and take of the juice, we invite you to hold those this morning to hold on to him, and, and in a few moments, we're going to partake of it together as one body, as one community of faith. So take the bread, which represents his body, and take the juice, which represents his blood, and, and just hold on to it for just a moment. And as we prepare to do that together, the band's going to begin leading us in this time of response. The lyrics of this song proclaim this truth. What could I say, and what could I do, but offer this heart, O oh God, completely to you. May that be our prayer as we prepare to partake in communion together this morning.